This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. It's time to go inside the front office of the Athletics with the general manager of the A's, David Forst. Here now is the David Forst Show with Chris Townsend. David, how are you? Hey, Tony, what's going on? We just talked about Tony Clark. So I played on an all-star team with Tony back in the day in San Diego. And uh, I think he was the second overall pick by the Tigers. But everybody thought Tony Clark was going to be a great player in the NBA as he signed with Arizona because, I mean, he's 6'8". I mean, the guy could fill it up back in the days. Yeah, I mean, he's on the list of players that gets talked about with Tony Gwynn and Dave Winfield, these guys who were just incredible athletes, two-sport, three-sport guys. I remember, like, even Ricky Williams, you know, Heisman Trophy winner, great running back, he even got drafted. Well, I, I know this is bizarre to start out like this, but what is it like when you're scouting a guy who has a football background or a basketball background and you're going to draft him and you don't know, like, like what he's got, I mean, you guys recent with Kyler Murray. I mean, when you draft a guy like that, what is that like? Cause there's, there, there's not a, for sure he's going to play. Yeah. I, w- I wasn't sure if you were going down the Kyler road or not, but um, no, I mean, as long as I've been here, we've always, we've always talked a lot about two sport guys and um, you know, you're, you're, you're judging guys on their athleticism as much as you are their baseball skills. And it's an important ingredient when you're uh, evaluating. So Obviously, in Kyler, you you have one of the very few guys in history who's talented enough to be a first-round pick in two different sports. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I definitely remember uh, Tony Clark being in that category. Yeah, Dave Winfield was drafted in all three, which is pretty, pretty incredible. So when you're watching these games right now, and I know for me the way I'm evaluating them, obviously your evaluation is far more important uh, these games, it's just it, they're so critical because it's like you look up, you're three and three, and you go, "My God, there's only 54 left." Yeah, it's it's a little weird. I mean, people talk about how every game counts for three games, or or you know, 2.7 to be exact. Um, I mean, that's the case for everybody. So, I mean, I saw I saw Joe Madden's comment, I think, after the first night, where he said, "You know, it kind of feels like we lost a three-game series in one day." Um, well, they came out and won the next day. So it, everything sort of evens out. Um, I mean, that said, you are sort of hyper aware of how critical each game feels. And, um, you know, particularly with the, uh, the environment around the league right now, I feel like we're waking up every morning to check Twitter to see if the games are still going on. So you just, you just sort of take each, each game as it comes. Yeah, and that is, and what you just said is so true. It's like you wake up and you cross your fingers. And and, and we talked to Scott Miller from Bleach Report, who, you know, it's going to come out that the Marlin players broke protocol. They tested positive. They didn't. They spreaded it in, in, inside the organization. 
and, and I know you guys are doing everything you can to protect everybody. It's just not the players, it's the coaches, it's everybody. Just how important is it that you just keep telling the players you have to not break protocol? You can't do it. Yeah, it's critical. And then I don't know any of the specifics of the Marlins thing. I've seen the same things you have on Twitter and the articles written today, but I, I don't know uh, anything for sure. Um, but I do know that we spent a lot of the homestand talking, you know, through Bob and then also some directly to the players, just stressing all this stuff, particularly as we head out on the road. It seems to be the biggest obstacle and, and the most, frankly, the most dangerous places to be on planes and buses and in hotels so we had a meeting i guess on tuesday and um first of all our meeting had to be out in the parking lot because um you know the last thing we want is to get a whole bunch of people indoors for an extended period of time in the clubhouse so we had this this like bizarre meeting out in f lot where um you know our traveling secretary mickey morbido talked about the logistics of the plane and all the things that are different than a normal season and then nick paparesta our head athletic trainer really sort of set the tone and said hey this is we got to take this seriously and you got to wear the mask and you got to be careful around everybody and everything and you never know uh you know where you might pick this this thing up so it's it's always on our minds without a doubt i mean, I, I think you got to be proud uh, you know, because everybody I talk talk to, they go, I feel safe when I'm at the Coliseum. I mean, and to let fans know, I'm not, and Cody, my producer, we're not even allowed to come. And they told us, stay home and do what you do. But just how proud are you of what you, the front office, and what you guys have done to where uh, everybody feels like they're safe at the Coliseum? Yeah, I, I didn't mean to, to detract from but I'm very proud of where we are right now and that we've gotten this far. And, it, and it's because of the hard work of the medical staff and, and the stadium's operations groups, frankly, that, that put everything in place and the clubhouse staff as well that, that got things ready. And, and our players have done a good job. I think there's there's a good bond on this group. They all you know feel responsible for one another. Um, and they have done a great job. I, I think the, the scary thing is that you can do all that and and still you know you know, still not know where you might uh, where you might pick up the virus, particularly like I said on the road. So um, no, it's it, it, it's been great to see these guys come together and do it. And, and here we are, we're six games in the season. You know, basically a month since we started uh, summer camp, and um, and we we don't currently have any positives in the organization. Knock on wood, which is great. And that's you know that, that's with. 30 plus guys in Oakland and the staff. And that's with everybody down in the alternate side of San Jose, where I was earlier today to check in on them. And um, guys are, guys are taking it seriously and working hard. You just, you just sort of feel how tenuous it is across the game on a daily basis. Yeah. You think about the alternate site. I love San Jose Muni. That's where I played with San Jose state. And of course the San Jose giants have, have played there all the way when they were the San Jose Bees. God, George Brett even played there back in the day. But what is it like when you go down there? Just kind of give us insight. What is it like? Where you you have these players playing in this this ballpark. What are they doing? How are they doing? How's it going? It, it's going really well. It, it has been a great partnership with the San Jose Giants. Their people have been incredibly accommodating, and it's it's actually it's a really good vibe down there. Ed Sprague, our farm director, is overseeing it. And you have a mix of players that are, you know, 
probably, you know, two thirds of guys who are staying in shape, potentially, you know, getting ready to come up here when, when the calls needed, if there's an injury or if you make player moves, but then you've also got these, you know, eight to 10 guys who are clearly just the young prospect guys, the, you know, the Davidsons, the Poissons, the Soderstroms of the world who sort of bring this youthfulness to the group. And I was down there today. They, they had some, you know, some competitions, some simulated games. The guys are battling against each other. And I think, uh, I think they're grateful to be out there. I mean, they were, you know, they spent three months, three plus months at home, not knowing if there was going to be any opportunity for them to play this year. And so I think they're appreciative to be out there. The staff is, uh, is doing a great job. They're happy to be working. And uh, it's really, it's made for a great mix and a great vibe. And uh, there are a bunch of guys there who are ready. Should we need to call on them? Yeah, this Bassan kid, you're, people think he's going to be a star, but he's only 17. I, I believe he's only 17 years yeah. old. I mean, what is that? How do you protect? I'm like thinking about when I was 17, I was happy just to be driving around in my Volkswagen bug. Uh, what's it like when you have this kid from a foreign country, 17 years old, he's probably going to be a star. Like, 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 how do you handle that? Yeah, I mean, it's he's 17, Soderstrom 17, Brown Buelvas also 17, maybe just turned 18 years old. But you got these young kids, and you know, for them again, it's it's incumbent upon Ed and the staff there. You explain to them, hey, you come to the ballpark and you go back to the hotel, and if you want to sit in your room and play video games or watch TV, <laughs> whatever it is, that's those are your days from now until the end of September. So this is your opportunity to develop and be in front of the staff and. Uh, you know, it's it's a couple months, and uh, these guys live to play baseball, anyways. Uh, you know, Pasan has been itching to to get out and play, so uh, it's been it's been fun to listen to the reports from down there. You know, I think about all the other guys who are not getting their opportunity. I mean, professionals. I mean, it's it's really sad, and there's nothing you can do about it. It's just it is what it is. What do you say to all the other minor leaguers? Like, how do you direct them going forward? Yeah, it's a tough one. Um, you, you do feel for those guys, and, and they just there aren't enough spots for everybody to be part of this, and there just was no mechanism, you know, by which to create a development opportunity for the rest of the guys. And it's unfortunate; it's a lost year for a lot of guys. And you know, hopefully, a lot of them are, are working out on their own and, and getting better and uh, I mean, you'd like to think come February, March next year, we're going to have a normal spring, but who knows? I mean, there's so much uncertainty going forward in the game. So you feel for those guys um, and you know that this is what they want to be doing. They, you know, every guy who, who is on a minor league team sees himself as having a chance to get to the big leagues. And this is just it's a rough year for a lot of people in that position. You know, if you get out to a hot start, life's great. If you don't get out to a hot start, and I think it's easy to look at Chris Davis, you know, 0 for 15. How how are you guys going to handle certain individuals that don't get off to a good start? Well, we've talked to Bob a lot about uh, about how you approach this thing as a team and, and also with individuals. And, you know, you saw some of his comments the last few days about, um, you know, maybe doing some things differently that you wouldn't do over 162 games. So, uh, I think we'll, you know, we'll see. We'll probably take a couple more games to see who's swinging the bat well. Obviously, guys like Seth Brown and Barreto haven't really had much of an opportunity yet. And I think 
as long as we've got this, you know, this 30 man roster, I think Bob wants to figure out the best way to use everybody and get everyone involved. But, um, but it'll start here. You know, we're six games in, you know, by the time we get back from Seattle, 10 games is basically a sixth of the, of the schedule and it'll be time to start sort of setting that lineup every night. So I, I don't think we're far away from it. I, I think he wants to kind of feel around a little bit longer, but uh, but it's important to put guys in, in the same spot every night here coming up soon. I mean, this has got to be crazy for you, David. I mean, we only have 54 games left. I mean, it's so hard to even, you know, wrap your your hands around what's going on that you're three and three, 54 games left. I mean, as a general manager, just what has this been like for you? It's hard to articulate just the baseball part of it, Chris, because it, it, you know, look, it, it's the most important part. It's what we do. It's what we all signed up for. Um, but there's so much more involved in this operation. And, and, you know, there's been four and a half months now of things that aren't baseball and everything it took to get here. And, and frankly, the, the day-to-day maintenance of this operation. So it's, it's a weird situation to be in as a general manager. And, and, you know, those three hours a day, you're as sort of laser focused as ever. And trust me, the last two games against Colorado, I, you know, I took hard the same way I would any games in 162 game seasons, you know, cause we, we did play well at getting three out of four from the angels and you want to keep that going. Um, but the other 21 hours of the day are so bizarro compared to what we're used to that it's, uh, it's a, it's a hard thing to kind of wrap your head around. So I try and try and keep those two things in perspective and know how hard the players are working and, and we owe it to them to kind of put in the same, the same effort we normally would. And, and I'm, you know, I've been really proud of our baseball operations staff who has done all the advanced work and the defensive alignments and the pitching work. And, you know, they've, they've definitely, uh, they've definitely worked as hard as ever, um, but there's so much else going on around the team and the ballpark the rest of the day. It's, it's you know, it's hard to, to really articulate what this is like. And we really appreciate the, the candidness, no question, because, yeah, this is it's crazy times. And I think about like a trading deadline where you got to get on the phone and you're talking to other executives. But I'm sure you're talking about how you say it's staying safe, how we're staying safe. I mean. I, what do you think it's going to be like when you're making those phone calls where, yeah, you're talking about players, but you're also talking about just everybody staying safe? Yeah, we, we've been doing that constantly. I, I have a, you know, there's a group of GMs that I'm close to and text with a lot and ask, you know, how, how are you guys doing? What, what have you done about this? You know, so-and-so. Um, I mean, it's bizarre. Today is the, the trade deadline in a normal year. I mean, we would have – we would have spent the last week on the on the phone all the time trying to figure out what to do with our club. So, you know, you wake up and see the calendar says July 31st. That's meant one thing and only one thing for the last 20 years for me. Um, so it's different, and, and we'll get to that point, hopefully. But, um, but yeah, there's always any conversation you have with someone from another club, there's always the, you know, the initial small talk about, hey, what, you know, what are you doing about this rule or, or how you how are you keeping guys from doing this or, or whatever the case may be. There's, there's always something else to talk about now other than just players. Let's end on this. So Jesus Cesardo is going to I, it's being reported. He's going to start on Tuesday. That's the plan. Let 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 her rip. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, you know, Jesus obviously had the setback early on where he was out of camp for the first couple of weeks, but our, our plan was always to have him in the rotation. And, you know, he's had two outstanding outings now. Uh, you know, how many innings and pitches he goes in a start on Tuesday night remains to be seen, but, um, but now is as good a time as any to get him in the rotation. How good do you think he can be? Uh, I think for the Chris Bassett who said a few days ago, he can be one of the, you know, basically one of the best pitchers in the game. I don't, I don't disagree with what Chris said. And, and, you know, when, when Jesus has been healthy, there, there has not been a level yet that, uh, that he hasn't had a chance to dominate. So hopefully that remains the case up here. David, great stuff as always. We truly appreciate it. And you guys are doing an outstanding job keeping really, I mean, like, like Ken Korak has said, everybody's safe it's it's the players it's the coaches it's the front office it's the media it's the the the, you know clay wood and his staff everybody feels like you guys are doing everything you can to keep everybody safe so uh you guys are doing a great job we truly appreciate it we'll talk to you next week thanks chris i appreciate you saying that we'll uh yeah we'll talk to you next time this has been a presentation of the oakland athletics 